1: Hello, hello, all you out there in podcast listener land. This is Mao, coming, coming to you from the land of K-pop and closed stores. I'm in the middle of a five-day weekend uh, vacation, mini-vacation, and uh, it's the Korean Thanksgiving. I've heard the name of what it's called a million times, but I couldn't tell you for the life of me. It's like Chuska or some I don't know. Basically, uh, instead of how it is in America where um, holidays meet are meaningless now and and you know every store is open no matter when, they actually close stores here. So yay for that! It gives me a I feel less bad about lounging around my tiny apartment watching bad movies. Okay, so. Slow Robot-A-Go-Go, show number 14. I'm going to be doing Space Master X7. Not of the uh, Atari 2600 fame, Space Master X7, which uh, the programmer said he knew nothing of the movie, which I find that hard to believe. He just didn't want to pay all the royalties. So anyway, off topic. Coming fresh off of the top ten list uh, podcast for my top ten um, sci-fi movies with about 900 add-ons. Not a lot of hate mail. I did get uh, some viewer, uh, some emails from listeners. Of course, co- co- uh, cohort Val sent in his top sci-fis in no particular order. And if I thought my top 11 were weird, he sent like 30. Val doesn't live by any rules. If you tell him there's a list of five... You don't know what you're going to get. So, okay. Here they are in no particular order. This is Val's list. Uh, Planet of the Apes from 1969. Good movie. I thought about adding that one. I just didn't. Okay, The Thing, 1951. The Day the Earth Stood Still. I'm assuming he doesn't mean the Keanu Reeves one. Uh, The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Very good pick. Uh, 20 20 Million Miles to Earth. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. War of the Worlds. Um, Godzilla, The Fly, The Incredible Shrinking Man, Plan 9 from Outer Space, uh, The Time Machine, which I, I do love me up some time machine, time travel movies. Uh, Okay, The Curse of the Swamp Creature, It Conquered the World, very good. Death Race 2000, which is, that's a movie that vies for my number one spot often. It's Godzilla, Death Race 2000, and The Day the Earth Stood Still are my top three that kind of uh, swippy swap every now and then okay lastly the blob not lastly next the blob uh, king kong uh, frankenstein them and many more so thank you very much Val a lot of good ones on the list you know I always feel a lot of pressure whenever I'm making my top 10 um, and many that you listed of course were in my my uh, in contention in mine you know I did want to say I don't remember if I touched on this or not. War of the Worlds. Now, the movie was good. I listened to that, the original radio broadcast, probably twice a year. I just love it. I have it on vinyl, and I also have the thing in it, the the broadcast in its entirety. I forgot where I got it a long time ago, and I I just really I listen to that and I kind of close my eyes and pretend I'm. Listening in an old wooden radio, and I love it. Okay, so as always, thank you very much, Val. Uh, Let's see who else sent in. Um, Okay, co-producer of my old, of our old TV show, uh, dubbed 420. Uh, We'll call him Oliver, for Oliver Klozov, which was how he was credited in all of the movies. Okay, never too... Never too busy to chime in on a list of movies. Number 10, Total Recall. Sue me, I love this flick. I'm with you, brother. Total Recall is right there. Number nine, Blade Runner. Good movie. Number eight, Moon. Now this, I haven't seen Moon yet. And I do see this popping up on a lot of top 10 lists. So I really have to get off my butt and find a copy of this somewhere because I'm very intrigued. I don't know the premise of it, but the fact that it's given so much love on so many lists, I have to see Moon. Number seven, District 9. Upon... When I first watched District 9, I was very disappointed. I don't know why. I was expecting something different. Upon further... Re, you know, when watching it again and again here and there, I do like that movie. Uh, for, I don't know why. I don't know what I was expecting. I don't know. Sometimes you expect something when you go into a movie, and, and if it's not there, you're kind of disappointed or something. But very good movie, District 9. Okay, Oliver's number six, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Number five, The Fifth Element. Love Fifth Element. It uh, didn't make my list, but I do love Fifth Element and that's very ironic that he put that as number five okay i think he probably did that on purpose too he has he works on a different plane number four the terminator number three invasion of the body snatchers kevin mccarthy version number two the thing john carpenter i have to say that this is one that i think um in some of our uh, crazy weekends doing the show we've watched this more than once uh Up up at the house, and I do look forward to watching the thing upon my return. Uh, And then he has number one as Alien. Very good list. Okay, I have to check out Moon, and I promise I will have the thing on extended Blu ray super awesomeness when I get home for our first weekend of hanging out and making fun of bad movies. Thank you very much, Willick, or Oliver. Number and the third one is just a five, uh, a list of five by mm, uh, Dust Bunny. Let's see: number one, Big Trouble in Little China; number two, The Last Dragon; number three, The Punisher; number four, The Gate; number five, They. Um, not sure all of these qualify as B movies in the traditional sense, but they are to me. And she is admittedly a uh, movie snob. Okay, good. All right, well, very good. Thank you very much for uh, all of your write-ins. Of course, I always appreciate uh, listener mail, and if anyone else wants to chime in with their top ten, it's not like I have now officially closed the list. Um, I'm always looking for more content. Okay, now on to bigger and better things. That's right, the 1958 classic, Space Master X7. Yeah. Space probe returns to Earth covered with a strange fungus. This fungus is accidentally tinged with human blood and is transformed into an ever-growing pile of space rust, which actually I believe they called it blood rust in the movie. But I'm going to drop in, as usual I have a video or an audio clip, I will drop that in and then I'll return for my review and telling you what I think. All right.
0: of the film you are about to see is to put before you the facts about a danger that confronts us. It will tell you what you must know in order to survive. For your own safety it is important that you believe only the truth and that is what you are about to see. As you know your government and the government of Soviet Russia have been sending satellites into outer space to observe conditions that human explorers are liable to encounter when they get there. As part of our program, the satellite Space Master was put into orbit a 1,000 miles above the Earth some months ago. Its official designation was XM-712. It carried recording devices, radio transmitters, cameras, and the usual non-human passengers. It differed in one respect from other satellites launched during the past year. Provisions were made for bringing it back from outer space intact. Into orbit and brought it back to Earth intact. Among them were scientists and engineers from many of the great universities of the country. Also present on the morning I speak of were John Hand, assigned to security duty with this office, and an army orderly named Radical, and Dr. Charles T. Palmer, formerly of Johns Hopkins, who was the biologist attached to the project.
1: Wow. And that sound you heard was my head exploding. As I'm having all kinds of technical difficulties. Uh, I just lost 26 minutes of content as Audicity just quit on me and said, Oh, bye. That's sorry about your show. And then I tried to restart and my microphone wasn't working. That was just the cable fell out of the back. So, yeah. I could be in a happier place for the reissue of my podcast. So I'm going to try to put on a happy face. You get what you pay for folks. audacity, free program ass okay, so back to the matter at hand the nineteen fifty eight classic x space master x seven um the little engine that couldn't no and i'm not that's just i'm just being mean. basically, the plot line is. Uh, you know, a space probe returns to Earth with a strange fungus. Um, It gets mixed up with human blood and then becomes a deadly outbreak of blood rust. And it's up to John Hand and Joe Radigan to find the one woman who can stop the blood rust from taking over the world. That's the official storyline. The tagline reads Satellite Terror Strikes the Earth. Uh, This was made in 1958. it's also known as X7 El Rey del Escapio which I think means Space Master X7. I don't know Spanish. I'm just kidding. Okay. So basically as you heard in the beginning, you know, the 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 movie starts out with some of that very familiar um sound effects and and um music that kind of are like a staple with with a lot of the B movies from the 50s, the same sound, the same sound effects. They actually are. They feel very um, at home to me. You know, when I hear them, I go, "Oh, I know right where this is going." You know, and it starts off in a very, um, very good narrative style, um, with the, you know, government official warning us of, you know, this, the, the plights of space that us and the Soviets, as he says, are having and um the the movie fades in and out of of narration fairly seamlessly actually it doesn't it doesn't detract from the movie um you just kind of find yourself watching the movie and hearing somebody telling you uh, you know about some of the stuff that led up to it and you go oh you know it doesn't it doesn't take you out of the movie like some narration does so at this point we're introduced to Dr. Charles Palmer and Dr. Charles Palmer is played by Paul Freese, um, who has done so much voice work, I can't even des- really describe it. Like, if you look him up on iTunes, or IMDb, you know, um, he's just, he did a lot of voice work, you know. And maybe it's only little stuff here and there, but, you know, you... Frosty's Winter Wonderland. The, the, he was the voice of Jack Frost. He he was the Hobbit. He played a voice in the Hobbit. Um, he did some some voice uh, the Jackson Five TV series, you know, and like uh, Patton voice uncredited, you know, like he he's when you look at his list, the Banana Splits Adventure Hour, which I grew up loving. I watched that, you know. Uh, he was in a couple Charlie Brown shorts. The guys. You don't know his face, but you sure as hell know his voice. When he talks, you go, ah, is, you know, I know that guy. You know, uh, so yeah, he is awesome. I almost think is he the voice of that? No, he's not the fastest talking guy. They would say that in here somewhere. His he looks kind of like that. The the, the I, it wasn't Matchboxes. I forget what the hell the name of them were even were. Micro Machines. He he lo- he looks like the micro machine voice actor. <laughs> I don't know if he is or not. I I I don't think it is. Okay, so moving on. So basically, we're introduced to Charles T. Palmer, and he's in charge of uh, you know alien. He's in charge. What's his official? Discovering alien life. That's what it says on his on his business card. And he has uh, when this satellite comes back to Earth, he has a a, a instrument that's collected, you know specimens for his uh, examination. So he he takes this box back to his house. At his house he has a um he has his laboratories at his house in, in in a very isolated area. When he when we get when he gets there he's met by his ex. I don't think it's ex-wife. I just think it's ex-girlfriend, but they have a kid together. So I'm sure they said ex-wife because it was the 50s. But he had um there's a woman waiting there. And she wants her kid. Um, The kid is... She couldn't care for the kid, so the kid was living with Dr. Uh, Palmer. And um, the boy was off at boarding school because, as he said, uh, a house without a woman is no place for a boy (laughs) to grow up. And, wow. That is 50s. And uh, Laura Greeling is played by Lynn Thomas. Lynn Thomas is a very attractive woman. Um, she is not hard to look at, I'll put it that way. Uh, so she's basically what he says is, "Oh, you just want the the the, the, the our son." And she's like, "Yes," and he's like, "Well, I'm busy with an experiment, so just make me a martini." <laughs> then he goes into his laboratory, and she doesn't make him a martini. And um, so what happens is, that at this point, he's doing his experiments on the blood rust, and she's kind of like flittering in and out, nagging him like oh what about our boy i'll talk to you later and then she leaves i n- i need to talk to you about m- our, our son i'll uh, later you know like this just keeps kind of going on the backstory story is you know um mrs greeley has married a very nice respectable man and they live in honolulu and he's off on a business trip so she took that opportunity to come here and get her son back because he doesn't know about her son um, because he's very jealous and he would leave her. Eh, I don't know, man. It, that's, that's one of, there's a couple little parts in, the, in this, in this that are like, I don't, that doesn't work. But whatever, you know, you kind of forgive it, it's a B movie. So, basically, uh, you go, okay, and... After a while, a couple more interruptions. He, you know, he's talking into this tape recorder as he's discovering things, and then finally, he comes out and says, "Oh, I wrote you. Th- I wrote this letter. The kid's yours." And at this point, Doctor uh, Palmer like makes a move on her. He like kind of grabs her and and tries to kiss her, and she cranes him on the freaking head with one of those like a big heavy bookend, and so his head's cut open. And he says, "Just g- get out of here." You know, he gives her the letter and says, "That's all you wanted to so get out of here." And um, he goes, continues, and goes back to work. You know, m- mistake. So basically, he is has an open cut, and he's working around the blood lust, You know, foreshadowing. At this point, she tries to say goodbye, and he says, "Just, just go away." And um, a taxi cab arrives. Enter Mo Howard. That's right, Three Stooges. Mo uh, pulls up. He's the taxi driver. Um, he picks her up and drives her to the airport, Uh, or to the train station, train to the airport, so, um, uh, basically, uh, you know, then the next scene, they show, uh, John Hand, who's like the star of the movie, and, uh, a a private (laughs) Radigan, who, private Radigan is kind of like private backstory, but... Also, every time they said his name, I always I, I said out loud, Radigan. You know, it's like one of those names that just like kind of makes you laugh. So they're talking, and and Radigan has a master's degree in alien discoveryology or whatever, and he's in the army now, and and he would, you know, and they're kind of talking about the doctor and how smart he is, but he's really an arrogant prick and blah blah blah. So they call it a night, and as they're walking out, the phone rings. Of course, it's Ra- it's um Doctor Palmer. And then the gargled, dying voice says, you know, burn, burn the house down, you must stop the blood rust, you know, and he dies. And, um, at this point, Radigan and Johan go out to the house with gas, and they, they take his tape recorder, and they burn the house down. Now, a couple things struck me at this point, um... First of all, one thing I do applaud is as they're burning the house down, Joe Hand lights a match and burns the house down. So often in movies, you see somebody flick open a Zippo and they light it and they throw it into the fire and burn it down. Do you have any idea how how expensive Zippos are? Not to mention that your fingerprints are on Zippos. That's one of those things in movies I see often and I hate it. No one's going to throw away a Zippo. You, You know what I mean? Like, it's a Zippo. Even the most hardened criminal is going to be like, hey, that's my Zippo. Use my match here. You know. Uh, so, okay. But John Hand was economical, and he threw a match. Yay. The 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 biggest thing that struck me is, you know, Dr. Palmer has the power to pick up a phone and just muddle, mutter some kind of words, and people do felony bidding. Do his bidding. Whatever. You know, they go burn a house down because he said so. You know, in my life... I can say something as casual as "Hey, can you pass me that pencil," and I get five questions about why I want the pencil. Why don't I use a pen? Um, maybe I should try not writing down what I'm thinking of writing. You know, I can't even say "Hey, close the door." There's a draft in here. Well, why don't you close the door? Because you just came through it. Well, but I like the door like a little bit open in case you know a puppy wants to come in. Like I can't, I can't even get someone to do, me, do the most menial thing that they're doing, just, you know, but Dr. Palmer has the power, he just picks up a phone and blammo, he can just have people do felonies for him, it's amazing, I wish I had that kind of power, I don't have minions, and if I did have minions, they would probably say things like, why do you want that pencil, you know, you should use a pen, and don't you have a pen with you, and what happened to your Zippo, and I would burn the building down, that's a inside, okay, all right, so basically so then they come they take this they take this uh this stuff and burn the house down at this point they really ham up the um decontamination stuff like you know they show the two getting decontaminated and they show them dunking the tape recorder in some kind of mystery fluid that's a you know decontamination they spend a lot of time preaching the how they're they're really you know the whole thing is to stop the spread so as they're listening to his tape um, from the blood rust thing, they hear a woman's voice. And they're like, oh no, that woman's going to spread blood rust everywhere. And we we're all dead. And that's no good, because I hate being dead. That's not a line. I just made that up. So basically, they go, well, he lived in an isolated area. Whoever was there must have taken a taxi. And that's one of those things where you go, mm, I don't know, man. That's a stretch people have cars but whatever so they go and enter mo uh a second time at this point he says he doesn't know her because she had tipped him saying i never saw you never saw me and and then finally they 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 get him to confess and he they burn his tax his taxi so it doesn't spread and he goes in to um to work with their sketch artist and at this point you realize why mo only ever was really a stooge because he can't act for shit, he's not going to get knighted sir anything of acting at any time ever. I love the three Stooges, but that's his range, okay, so he's doing that thing, and then they show they um they start splashing her um face on the news and and they put a you know the paper she sees in the paper that like the doctor's dead, you know. Oh no, doctor the the, the arrogant doctor House Palmer is dead and they and she thinks that they're after her, like that she like that she killed him, you know. Which they're not. They're just trying to contain the blood rust. So basically, she goes into hiding. She goes into a um some a, some hotel and like starts ordering things to get delivered like new clothing and and um uh, hair dye and crap like that. She changes her appearance. She takes a train and they f- they figure out who she is and where she's going, and then they 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 isolate the rail car like, and, and they find her luggage. No, this that was before the holdout. Wh- whatever. So they find. Uh, at this point, the narration goes, and they were rushed there by the fastest means possible. And they show like a helicopter landing, and they they get off, and they give the thumbs up, and the helicopter takes off, and um, this is to the to the rail yard because they found the the luggage compartment was contaminated by blood rust. At this point I go, oh, you know what, there was a time, there were two times in American history that uh, helicopters were cool. In the 50s, obviously, new toy, and in the 80s when they had all the rockets from Rambo, you know, like, h- helicopters shot missiles inaccurately and horribly, but they shot them. So, this was one of the one of the times that, like, it was worth it to spend the film on showing a helicopter cuz people were like oh those are so cool and that's gone now so like now you look up and you go ah oh, you know coast guard or whatever you know like i don't, you don't even care you don't even look if you see a helicopter you're like oh, whatever that's so stupid you know the only people that like uh, helicopters now are those the dudes at the park with the re- remote controlled helicopters uh, if they if, if i ever see one of those with like fake missiles that they can shoot i i would i'd like helicopters a little bit again okay all right, so so basically, they they go in there and in the, they put on the beekeeper suit and a torch, and he you know, and uh, they burn the, the 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 compartment, and they get her luggage, and they can't figure out who she is yet, you know, because they're like, oh, her labels are from London and New York and Honolulu, and oh wow, she's such a globe-trotting gal. So basically, they do figure out who she is, um, and uh, and they go and and John Hand rushes to the airport, she gets a last-minute ticket, and they go, oh, we're holding the plane, get on, you know, not to him, to her. Uh, she goes, and is there a ticket for Honolulu? Yes, I'll hold it, you know, and they go, okay, and she go, she rushes to the airport, and, like, the plane is waiting for her. At this point, I kind of died inside because of now, like, you, you need to go to the airport three weeks in advance, and they have, there's, like, anal probes, and they take your sneakers, and they burn them, and they give you, like, sli- slippers now. Where, you know, in the 50s, I guess you just walked up, and if you had money, they were just like, oh, well, here, here's your martini, and, you know, the smoking sections in the front and the back of the plane, enjoy. And they're like, everyone wears a suit, and it's just a big air party. And, um, that's sad, I miss that. Well, I don't miss that, because I've never experienced it, but I would travel back in time to do that once. If I made a time machine, I think I would do that, too. Like, you could just walk up and take my time machine, and I'd hand you a martini. Pretty, pretty expensive though. Okay, uh, so yeah. Basically, John Han makes it on to the to investigate, you know, there's three possible girls on this plane that could be this woman cuz they find the hair dye in the um in the hotel that she was staying at. The mincing no- nosy uh bellman uh gave her up. So there you are. So she gets on the plane and there's three women that look that fit the description. Of uh, brunette and sexy, and John Hand is there to um, you know interview them. So at this point, you, you know he starts in, you know interviewing these women while the plane's flying. You know it's on it's en route. Now at this point, you know there's not much I don't like about this film. In fact, I think it's a very serviceable, fun film. You know there's a lot there's a lot good about it. This portion of the film kind of bugs me um like okay John Hand is there and there's a lobby on the plane because apparently planes were bigger in the past and they had lobbies and so he's and he's interviewing these women but the interviewing is interspersed with him going to the cabin and hearing um uh, something from his cohorts back in Washington Or him telling somebody something, or him, you know, talking to the pilot, and the pilot being like, well, you know, we only have an hour because we're past the point of no return at that point. You know, like, it's just a lot of showing him sitting in a seat, showing him talking to somebody, or showing him walking up to the cabin, and then he goes to the cabin for something small like, hey, hey, uh, I found this piece of lint on the floor, and the captain says, oh, well, there's our lint depository. Okay, and then he closes the door and goes back to the seat and minces, and then he goes back to the, you know, you know, like there's no um, I don't know, it's just it it it's kind of clunky and bothersome, but long story short, he interviews the three women and gets you know gets deceived by all three of them, so he's ineffectual at being an, an interrogator, and because uh, they all have flimsy you know where where what's your name oh I don't uh, I don't have anything that has my name on it and you're like what. And she's like, oh, you know, but um, finally the one the the last woman that he interviews he kind of says, look, you know, you're not any no one's in any trouble. I just have to find out who this is because there could be a contamination on this um, uh, there could, we could be a typhoid Mary, you know, and um, and she goes, no, it's it's not me, you know, and then she sits down and then she talks to miss Greeley and says and miss you know that laura Greeley goes oh what's he asking us this for and then she explains it and then she goes oh then she goes back to him and confesses that yeah it's me i thought you were trying to get me for murder or something and um and then they go okay no look we're just you know we're just trying to contain the blood rust and then she's like okay then they turn around and the blood rust is starts bursting out of the compartment (laughs) so they like spray it with the uh uh fire extinguisher and because of the blood rust they can't put the the wheels down so they go to stock footage of a plane skidding on the runway then everyone gets off and goes on to buses for decontamination and that's the end of the movie like there's no intro they don't go back to the dude at the desk it's literally like they were filming this movie and they had like 95 bucks and then they said well, the f- stock footage from that plane crash cost us ninety bucks, and then the the guy in the camera was like, "I'm kind of hungry," and the director was like, "Me too," and we only have five bucks left. And then they're like, "Well, just rent a, a rent a bus. That'll cost us one buck, and then me and you will go get some hamburgers, and that's four bucks." And that's what they did. I mean, literally, they just they all kind of got off, got on a bus, drove away. It said the end, the end. Like there was no that that, that was just it. <laughs> it was very. The ending was very, like, huh? You know, like, usually, you're, you're, we're, nowadays we're so used to, like, the sappy wrap-up for everyone. So, okay, overall, I know I'm running a little bit long. Overall, very good movie. Um, I would suggest just Netflixing it. If, if it's on Netflix, you know, get it that way. Or if you know a friend that has a copy of it, borrow it. I wouldn't suggest buying it, necessarily. I, mean, I, I know it would probably be, like, a $4 investment, but I don't see this as one that you would revisit. I mean, I've watched it three times, but... I watched it and liked it. Watched it a second time and said, "Oh, I should do that for the show." Then I watched it for the show. You know, um, it's nothing that would stick out as far as I have to watch that more than once because, you know, oh, I remember that one blood rust scene. Like, there's nothing. Like, it was yes, it was very cool seeing the um, the scenery of of Los Angeles from the 50s. I love. I look a lot at uh, old B-movies especially. I look at, like, the backgrounds and the surroundings and, you know, the diner they're sitting in. That's what's interesting because B-movies are using an actual diner. They didn't build a set, you know. That's the the producer's cousin's diner that they're sitting in. So they're a bit more authentic. Like, the payphone she used in the diner was still one of those two-piecers where she talks into one piece and, and holds the other piece to her ear even though that's clearly not the decade, you know. And um, it was just cool seeing like L.A. from back then, you know. A lot of it was shot in L.A., and it was very, very cool, very neat. Um, they, they had a brand new shiny Mack truck, um, fire, a uh, Mack fire truck, uh, in the rail car scene. That was they were obviously that was the real fire department. They were very proud of it because Mack was displayed prominently, and it was um, it was a very new, old '50s fire truck, you know. So. That was very cool. All right, I'm wrapping it up. I'm going to suggest that you watch it. Um, I wouldn't suggest buying it, but if you have a nice rainy day on a weekend or if you're playing hooky from work, Netflix it on up. All right, if you have any questions, comments, or want to submit any of your top 10 lists or top 11 sci-fi lists, please do. Write me at uh, z-e-n-b-o-n-e at hotmail.com. Please don't be mean. And you can, um, please check, if you're listening to us on iTunes, please check out our website at slowrobotagogo.wordpress.com, and please check out my travel exploits on, um, kimchiagogo.wordpress.com. All right, that's all I got for you this week. Thanks for listening. I'm Mao. Um, hey, you know, go Space Master Go.
0: expedition met the greatest earthquake ever known high on oh, the rapid it struck their tiny raft oh, and went them down a thousand feet below to the land